Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. Program and my settings uh, have to get reset. So Yeah, <laughs> I know what that's like. Oh man, when I first started, yeah, audio was real fun, especially when, you know, I was doing mobile podcasts and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually have a, a mobile podcasting studio now. How do you, how do you do that? So it's a trailer. It's okay. like a, it's like a really big trailer that hooks on the back of my truck. Uh huh. And my truck is, uh, uh, I just got it a while back for this purpose. It has a built in generator. Oh wow. And so it just plugs in the back of the truck and goes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. You just need a, a good Wi-Fi connection. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, even then, um, we're, we're usually uh, recording in person. Oh, okay. So we don't, oh, okay. We don't oh, need internet. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't want to schlep to California here for this one? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not with gas prices the way they are now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get about five to six miles per gallon when I'm hauling that sucker. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. It's, it's fun. But uh, I have, um, I'm part of uh, Ryan Steumann's Apex Network. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it's out of Dallas. So anytime I go to Dallas, there's like eight people I could record with, you know? Yeah. And so we're doing a lot of YouTube right now. And so it gives me a lot better video content, you know? Oh, cool. All right, guys, we got Danielle Mulvey. She's a flight attendant turned entrepreneur, author, and podcast host. She's had several companies that combine for about $50 million in revenue a year while only spending 10 hours a week overseeing operations. Her passion is guiding entrepreneurs in recruiting and training five-star employees, which are employees that make big plays and get consistent results. And you can find some of that guidance in her book, The Rapid Real Guide to Five-Star Employee Rating System, also on her podcast, Profit First Nation. Danielle, it's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Doug. Treat to be here. And that is, um, you've got some accolades there for sure. And you're also writing a book right now, correct? Uh, yeah, so so we've got the uh, the rapid read guide to the five star employee rating system, and then I'm collaborating with Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, on his next next book, mm-hmm. which is titled All In: How to Get Your Employees to Act Like Owners, and that book will come out in the fall of 2023. That one is is very interesting to me because. You know, especially my business network and then also some of my consulting clients, uh, recruiting is a hot topic right now, especially since there's a lot of opportunity out in the marketplace, a lot of money being put into the economy, so a lot of new positions available. And so it's competitive out there. And so I've been getting that that question a lot. How do I recruit top tier talent, uh, especially within sales organizations, you know, because okay. the, the comp plans are pretty crazy right now. And then we're having to adjust them like every quarter with inflation, you know what I mean? And so it's it's been a, a a constant subject, which I really want to get into, but I I would love to learn a little bit about you first. So would you mind taking us from flight attendant to business owner? How did that happen? Yeah. So, um, I was a flight attendant for about a year, uh, after graduating from Vanderbilt and I was, I kind of 
treat it as my gap year. I was kind of like just hanging around a little bit, just wanting to have a little downtime and such. And, you know, what was funny about that is um, I did not enjoy being a flight attendant. I really should have never been a flight attendant. They should have never hired me to be a flight attendant because I wasn't going to be in it for the long haul. Uh And um, what's funny is, is I schlepped all the way to Dallas, Texas for the interview. And um, I swear to God, the interview was like five minutes. And and the person interviewing me was like, well, I mean, if you want this job, it's yours. Uh, This is like the fastest interview I've ever conducted. And I'm just like, okay, sure. Like it was just, they didn't kick the tires on me at all. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, you graduated from Vanderbilt. Oh, you live in California. Oh, you like to travel. Okay, great. The job is yours. It was, um, you know, and again, I'll say, shame on them. They shouldn't have hired me. I was a great flight attendant. I will tell you when I was in the air, I was a five-star flight attendant, but the job just wasn't for me. Right. Yeah. And that, and that happens all too often. We're, we're good enough, you know what I mean? To do the position, but are we passionate about it? Are we going to be there long-term? A a lot of times we don't have that answer until we're in it. Right. And so I guess at what point did you decide, Hey, this isn't, this isn't for me. You knew it in your heart. Um, when I took the job, (laughs) so bad, so bad, so bad. Um, but anyways, we can move on from there. So after I graduated, or excuse me, after I completed my year of being a flight attendant, mm-hmm. uh, I went to work for an advertising and marketing firm. And it was interesting, that company, when I started, had over 65 employees. And less than a year later, they were down to like 14 employees. And I had tried to quit that organization because it was so dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And this this firm had been around for decades. Um, and you know, every time I tried to quit, they just doubled my salary. They gave me more money. And I, and finally it just came to the point where I just needed to go. And, um, and so when I left, um, a, a, a client that I was their third or fourth account executive, um, found me and was just like, Hey, you were the only one that got stuff done for us. Like, could you like work for us? Could you do something and and keep this going? And so I was like, sure. So then I started, um, the founded the Maverick group, which is an advertising and marketing agency in Nashville. And we were doing over a million dollars, um, within a year of, of being a business. And we specialized in high ticket items, um, with, um, you know, high, high end retailers and such. So that was, uh, that was, that was my entry into entrepreneurship and my, um, my, my brilliant hiring strategy, because I was only 25, right? Mm -hmm. Old age of 25 when I started this business, um, was to hire people younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because if I was not doing a good job, they would have no idea. Uh, and that, you know, that worked for a while. A lot of people think that that's the qualifier, right? You know, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a, uh, someone for my MDU director position and he's like 28, you know, but the rest of my team probably averages about 35, you know? So in my head, I'm already like, gosh, are they going to be able to not take orders, but take leadership from someone that's, you know, a lot younger than them or whatever the case is. But, you know, I'm sure you know that not to be true, that it doesn't matter the age, what, what matters the experience and then the mindset, right? Exactly. It 100%. And so, um, you know, I mean, my hiring decisions were based off of people who went to the same school as me and it came down to these two wonderful candidates. And one of the candidates, um, was actually in the same sorority house as me. So that was my decision. So I really just had like an ad hoc 
just from the seat of my pants hiring um mentality when I first started my business. And then a couple years in, and I was lucky, like they worked out well, but then a couple years in, I kind of used that same strategy of, okay, um, I went to college with your sister and you are <laughs> friends with one of my great employees and you were fraternity brothers. So you're hired. And, um, and he ended up being a huge disaster. I mean, I remember waking up one Monday morning going, can I call in sick to my own company? Like I did not want to go into work. I didn't want to deal with him. He was always combative. Um, he, he didn't, he didn't get the memo, um, in, in graphic design school that the clients always write. Um, right. and, and so it was just like, oh my gosh, like, I cannot let this happen again. I can't, I can't be in this situation. Like if I don't want to go into my own office. Um, and so at that point I just was like, I've got to learn what to do, how to do this differently, get real serious about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that just kind of started like this, this process and this evolution of doing research and, um, and investigating different things. And then just, you know, continually making my processes and systems better, um, on recruiting, hiring, and retaining what I refer to as five-star employees. And they're the top 15% of available talent in the market. So the secret is weeding out the one, two, and three-star, the average ho-hum people, um, and, and not be tempted by hiring them and really never settle for less than five-star employees. No, that's great. And, and what do you think tempts us to, to hire the less than five-star employees? We, we just don't time time and preparation. So, you know, I, I, I think that most business owners or most hiring managers are like, Oh, I've got an interview in 15 minutes. Um, okay. Let me, let me Google some questions. So they've been very inconsistent. They're, they're not necessarily, um, knowing exactly the aptitudes and skills they're looking for. Um, they're not getting real specific on, you know, what, the key responsibilities are and what success will look like for those key responsibilities. They're not quantifying what success looks like in the role. And so, um, they're just like, okay, you know, you can, you have a pulse, warm body, you can start Monday. Great. You're hired. Um, and you know, success leaves clues and also failure leaves clues. And so, you know, when you, when you've made a mishire, you really need to take some time to, you know, analyze the mishire. Why was it a mishire? And, you know, how can you incorporate that knowledge into your future recruitment and hiring? So for example, for us, um, in one of our businesses, um, it's has a small, um, a small business office and, um, the team likes to eat lunch together. And, um, uh, we brought someone in for, um, a shadow day and, um, they it's, I'm sorry. Um, we brought someone in, um, they'd gone through all of our processes and, and, and such, and had, had trained, et cetera. And then, um, they did not like to eat lunch with everyone. And, you know, about two weeks after they had started, they're like, this isn't for me. I don't, I really don't like the aspect that we have to eat lunch together. And that became like an aha. So now in our shadow days, um, we incorporate eating lunch together um, and talk about how this is what we do mm -hmm. um, in the business. We, we had gone out to lunch that day. So it kind of seemed like a special event. 
And it wasn't really clear that, no, we, we eat lunch in the, my team that's there, mm-hmm. um, eats lunch every day together. They bring their lunch cause we're in an industrial area. There's not many places to grab lunch, et cetera. Right. And that was really the deal breaker. So now we don't go out to lunch. We don't take it, treat them to a nice lunch. Cause that's not the reality of our business. We go to a nice lunches when it's someone's birthday, et cetera. But on the day to day, um, you know, everyone's eating together. Gotcha. So my question would be, or one of my questions is, so when I, when I first started out, my business was strictly door to door, right? Mm-hmm. Not an attractive position. And so, uh, not until recently, the last couple of years has it kind of gone to a referral based model to a high end closer model, which, you know, most of the salespeople that I hire, I, I see them doing six figures in, in a year, basically, mm-hmm. once they move up through maybe one, one position in the company or the position itself is a six figure position. Right. Yeah. And so now I'm having to kind of change my model because my model before was, you know, if you can walk and chew gum, I'm going to hire you. Right. <laughs> because if you're willing to take on door to door sales, you know what I mean? That qualifies you right away. We can teach you the rest. So the model was, you know, the training system would weed them out. We'd have a high turnover rate from higher to first sale. Right. And it would get a little lower from first sale to fifth sale, but we tracked everything. Uh, we, we kept our metrics on point and we knew, okay, if I invest, you know, five grand on the front end that in, you know, three, four weeks, I'll have uh, five salespeople that will be producing at least three to five sales a week. Right. Uh-huh. And so it was, there, there was no before the hire process. It was like, okay, we have these pools that we hire from, you know, indeed career builder, Facebook. Uh, and we, we have these places that we hire from, we know which do the best, but we need volume. Right. Cause at the time I had a, a sales force of like a hundred plus. Right. Wow. And so we need, we knew we needed the volume in order to keep the machine going. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise the sales mm-hmm. would go down. If there weren't enough people, the turnover was high. So it was a, this crazy machine. And, um, so going from that to now I have 25 salespeople, half of them make six figures. The other half are in the high seventies and eighties. And, uh, now I'm looking for people that align with our core values. Yes. Now, now I'm looking for, um, people that have, uh, experience in the marketplace and maybe even some experience in sales. Um, but that, that core value is kind of the first qualifier, right? Yeah, actually, that is the first star of the five-star employee ratings system oh, okay. is alignment of core values. So nice. you are right <laughs> on there. Um, and it's really important that, um, that, that that they're your true core values. They're not the aspirational values of the business. There's right. lots of different types of values, accidental values, et cetera. But they're your true core values because that's how you replicate yourself. That like That's in your DNA. And so mm-hmm. if you want people to act like you and think like you, it starts with, do they are they in alignment with the same core values? So, um, check the box on that one. Awesome. (laughs) That's a good start. So going from, you know, like you said, hiring a warm body to hiring with intention, it sounds like, um, what are some of those questions that you can ask in the interview that, cause it is tough you know, of course, if I ask someone, so one of our core values is we operate in integrity. If I Mm -hmm. ask them, do you operate in integrity? They're going to say yes right away. Right. So yeah. How do you, how do you make sure they're aligned with your core values? I usually don't find that out until like 30 days in or so. 
Yeah. So, so if we kind of go through the rest of the five star employee rating system, okay. I think that kind of answers it for you. So the second star of the employee five star employee rating system is the 11 qualities of a five star employee. So we've identified 11 universal qualities of a five star employee and we, they, they, two of them actually are coded red, meaning like these are huge red flags. If the person, you know, does not meet your minimum score for, for these qualities, then it's really a deal breaker because the red ones are very difficult or almost impossible to change. And so you ask, well, what would that be? Um, one is flexibility. Uh, and, uh, because you need, especially businesses, you need people to be able to pivot. You need people to be able to move. You need people to, you know, maybe unload a box. I mean, unload a truck of boxes because something showed up unexpectedly at the wrong location, et cetera. Um, so, so, so flexibility is, is one of those ones. And what we do is, um, by understanding what you want. So, so you have these 11 qualities and then we have like the definition for, you know, what, what these 11 qualities qualities mean, but maybe it's different for you. And maybe you need to tweak the definition, but you need to be really specific on what you mean by flexibility. Um, I had uh, someone email me the other day that, um, you know, said in their job posting, oh, it's a flexible job. Um, and when the person completed training, the, um, the, the supervisor said, okay, great. You know, I'm glad you're with done with training. I'll be working with you now as your supervisor. Um, and I'd like to like set up a time, um, each week that we can, you know, schedule a sync up, just kind of touch base on things and such. Mm -hmm. And the person's reply was like, I thought this job was flexible. If I have to commit to meeting at a certain day and time, then this is not flexible. I quit. Um, so it's kind of funny how, yeah, you can work whatever hours you want was the, was the employer's intention for saying flexibility in the ad, mm -hmm. but the employee took that as I never have to be accountable to anything. I don't have to show up for anything specifically because I can just work when I want, how I want. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that a 20 minute meeting once a week was the deal breaker for this person. And they had already gone through training. So that's a huge mishire that you'd right. spent all this money on this person. Um, so the 11 qualities, um, and then, and then you need to design questions to get more specific about it. So we do have, um, in our five-star rating system, we do have like good basic questions that apply to you know, most businesses and such, but then we challenge the people that go through our program to really get more specific and design questions that really look at what they're looking for. And typically it's using examples. Um, so like this person needs to add to, um, when they do the five-star rating system, they need to add to it. Um, and this person hadn't gone through the five-star rating system, right. but they need to add, um, to that question, like, you know, would you be, this is a flexible job and you can work whatever hours we're looking for you to, you know, complete this once a week, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, are you available to set a specific day and time Monday through Friday, one time per week during normal business hours? And right. if they say no, then that's a deal breaker, right? They're not flexible. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that you, you mentioned that cause that was one of the issues I had a employee that was with me for six or seven years and um i needed i needed them to show up at an office because they were remote at that point right mm -hmm. i needed them to show up at, a, at an office and receive people at the front until we hired someone to do that you know what i mean and they had gotten so ingrained in the current position that they were at that they didn't 
they didn't want to have to show up to an office every day, not even if it was temporary, you know? And so that was just unfortunate that, um, that it turned into that even after five or six years with the company. But I think it's just one of those things you get comfortable in what you're doing and then you kind of like set your bar there and you're not willing to go below it anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that person probably wasn't flexible on some other things too, maybe. Yeah. No, that you really look at it. <laughs> there right? were some red flags early on, but the skill set was there. You know what I mean? The, the talent was there. So you, you tend to, especially in when you're younger in your career, you tend to uh, look, overlook those things. Right. And, and, and rule number one in the five-star employee rating system is never settle. So, um, it's, it is a numbers game and, and not everyone is a five-star employee. The top 15% of available talent is a five-star employee potential. Mm -hmm. And that means one out of every seven candidates is a potential five-star employee. So it's a numbers game for sure. Um, but six out of the seven are no bueno. You don't, Uh you don't want them and they might be five-star for another position. I mean, let's be honest. I could get hired as a bookkeeper tomorrow. No right. problem. Right. And, but I would be a two-star bookkeeper <laughs> because <laughs> I don't enjoy Like I don't enjoy the work. I can do it Yeah. and someone can pay me, but I would hate it. And I would just probably procrastinate. Like it would just bring out the worst qualities <laughs> in me. Um, but I'm a five-star everything else. Right. <laughs> And I was a five-star flight attendant. <laughs> Still going back to that one, huh? Um, and then this, the third star in the five-star employee rating system is um, aptitudes and skills. And so um, we've got over 30 aptitudes and skills. And these ones, you kind of decide which ones are applicable to the position. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, you know, there's a definition associated with them and you customize questions based off the aptitudes and skills that you're looking for. And then you give it kind of like a minimum rating that you'll accept. And then when you do the interview process, as you're asking the questions, you're going to rate the candidate on integrity, for example, is right. one of the aptitudes. And then it's so important that you test their skills. Um, just okay. because I can say I'm a bookkeeper doesn't mean I have the skills of a bookkeeper. Right. So it's so, so important that you design um testing or use off the shelf testing or use free testing online to really ensure that the person um, not only says they can do it, but they actually can do it because that's what matters. It doesn't matter if you can say it, it matters if you can do it. Yeah, we use, uh, so one of the places that we hire at right now is Indeed and they have a sales test. And it's kind of crazy that just putting that sales test in there will reduce your candidates by like 70%. Because they they won't follow the instructions or yep. they won't want to do that little bit of extra work than it than just hitting the apply now button. Congratulations! It is all about filtering out those one, two, three star candidates. It's a so you're not tempted by them, um, and yeah, you're really like our our hiring process is we we've referred to it as a gauntlet um, because it's many steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it filters out those one, two and three star candidates, but yeah, right off the bat, um, we have a similar thing. You're taking a preview assessment, um, mm-hmm. and we score that against a benchmark. And, um, I, it, it, it is amazing. I'm like the number of people that, that don't, um, that bother to apply, but like it said, step number two is to take this test within 24 hours. It's immediately emailed to them right. and, and they don't. So it's like, okay, great. Thanks. I don't have to waste my time on you. Yeah. And you're doing that. You're already doing more than 90% of employers, I would say, uh, by, oh, yeah. by creating that, 
even just the first phase of that gauntlet, right? And exactly. so uh, I had a, a friend in my business network reach out to me today, and he's like, hey, I'm going to start hiring canvassers, you know, start hiring people that are out in the field knocking doors. And uh, he asked me where I get them from. And I'm like, well, it's about so much more than that, right? You know, you can go on Indeed and put an ad out there and have 40 applications tomorrow, but your post-hire process better be really good to weed them out. You know what I'm saying? Versus weeding them out on the front end, and then um, your your post-hire process is more about training and investing in them. And then that's when you get, I would assume, more of the, the five-star employees, or in his case, you know, sales reps that are going to stick around longer and uh, do better for the, the company. Exactly. Yes. And then the fourth star in the five-star employee rating system is uh, success metrics. So yes, you need to have these, you know, very detailed job descriptions that get into things like must be able to lift 40 pounds and all of that kind of compliance stuff. Mm -hmm. But in your job postings, um, you want to kind of boil that down to the three to five key responsibilities for that job. And then with those key responsibilities, have the success metric associated with that responsibility. So, um, you know, if, if, if you need someone to close, um, sales, then you need to say, you you know, you're going to be going through our sales process, knocking on doors, et cetera. And, you know, you need to hit, you need to close three sales per week. Um, and so you're very clear, you're very specific. And again, what's interesting about that is it attracts the people that are competitive. It attracts the people that like to gamify their job and it repels the people who just want to collect a paycheck because there's, like you said, 95% of the employers out there, you could just apply, get hired and collect a paycheck forever before anyone realizes that you're really doing nothing. So um, so it's really important to have those quantifiable success metrics. That makes a lot of sense too, because all of our old dads used to be about how much you can make versus what we need from you. Right. And the success metric is what we need from you. And so it gives them, it gives them a a standard. And then especially if your messaging is consistent throughout the onboarding and training process, and it's always like four sales in a week and it's that throughout, then they'll have that in their subconscious and, and their, uh, they're conscious moving forward. That's exactly it. It's sort of like this reverse engineering. And I can't tell you how it's so simple, but even businesses like fail to reverse engineer and know how many sales they need to make in a year Mm -hmm. to make, you know, million, $2 million, $3 million. Um, So yeah, so that, that definitely um, helps them gamify it and, you know, hit the gate, hit hit the ground running. And then the fifth star in the five-star employee rating system is return on payroll. So, you know, with this one, what you're looking for is you're looking to design the job that produces at least a three X return on that person's payroll. So if they're getting paid $50,000 a year, then they need to be producing or doing things that are contributing to $150,000 in revenue. So it's really important that this helps you also get real clear on the key responsibilities and what you need from the individual so that you're designing the job that it is producing measurable success. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, kind of the way we're set up, because we're a sales org, right? Our gross income comes from commissions. And, uh, you know, I have two divisions. One is a solar division, right? And so that comes from the, the sale of the solar system. But at the end of the day, the amount that we get is basically our commission, right? And then on the AT&T side, that's another division that is uh, strictly commission that we get, right? And so the way we set it up is... Um, if, if a dollar comes into the company, 65 cents of that dollar goes to the sales organization in terms of the management, middle management, and uh, entry-level uh, reps in the organization, and then 35% goes to the company. So that is all really commission-based. It's production-based. Right. You know what I mean? So we're able to do it that way because we know that um, if, if, if the company earns $3.65 is going to that that individual versus having to figure out, okay, what revenue do we need to bring in in order to pay for this individual? They're already paid for, they're paying for themselves essentially. Right. Right. We have, right. we have bases against commission, but that is, uh, that is my new compared to the income that they're actually making. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we're, we're, we're set up with that. How would you recommend, you know, let's just say, cause, cause there is a, still a lot of commission only positions out there. They're 1099, they're remote, mm-hmm. you know, they're, str- they're, strictly supposed to bring in new clients to the company, right? Mm -hmm. They do it from home. They do it over the phone. They do it, uh, virtual. How would you recommend somebody hiring for commission only? Is there a certain strategy for that? Well, I mean, again, you've got to, you know, you've got to define the success metrics and when someone's not meeting that you have to let them go Mm -hmm. and you have to be very serious about it. Cause I think a lot of times people, and especially, I think, especially with the remote type sales positions, I mean, there are people right now that are collecting multiple paychecks. Like they, they don't have their eggs in one basket. They're, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're doing a combination of things. And especially like, I think in the sales world, um, where it's like, okay, which one, which one's going to hit, which one's going to be my, my golden, my golden egg, but they kind of keep the other stuff going too. So, you know, I would, I would definitely be really clear on, on that expectation, but I think that, you know, for the right personality and the right kind of person, I mean, you know, we recommend in your job posting, talking about your core values, not just listing your core values, but giving a clarifying statement about your core values, because there are lots of salespeople out there who just, you know, have been in lots of different sales organizations. Um, but, but there's, there's not been an alignment of core values and that's probably why they've left those other organizations. And so I would highlight that, um, as one of your attraction factors in, in the job posting, um, and, uh, and, and, and get creative and then, and then show kind of like the reverse engineering, show them like how to gamify this and, mm-hmm. you know, what, what they can do by, by it. I, I just think that especially as a, as a leader and the owner of the business, um, you know, a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. Right. Um, and you know, they, they need guidance. They need to, to be taught. They, you know, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're constantly like, we've got this just crazy insatiable thirst for knowledge. So mm-hmm. we're constantly like learning new things and such, but 
um, and we have access and we're, we're connected with networking, et cetera, but your employees, they don't necessarily have that same network. Um, and so, so exposing them to things and, and creating opportunities and, you know, doing some tra extra training with them or suggesting podcasts to them, but just keeping that energy going, I think, mm -hmm. especially is really important in a sales organization because it's hard, you know, I mean, some days you're going to, you know, strike out some days you're going to get yelled at by people. Um, and so, you know, how can you, how can you get people to change their state, um, mm -hmm. quickly and, and keep their energy going? Um, and, and I think gamifying, gamifying it helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what you're kind of getting into there is, uh, is mindset, right? And mm -hmm. when you can not only hire an employee, teach, train them on how to do the position and then also develop them in their niche, right. Or in their zone of genius, but then you can kind of step outside of that and also develop their mindset with them, you know, and as a company, yeah. you guys are developing your, your mindset, uh, that kind of creates influence. Right. And I just, I'm in the middle of, uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell's, um, the leader, the leader within, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to butcher the title because I, I never paid attention to titles. I just read the book, yeah. but the leader within uh, 2.0, I believe is, is what it, what it's called. Um, and he talks about the levels of leadership. There's five of them, right? The one is the, the title you have the title. And so people are going to listen to you because you have the title. It's very simple. The second one is connection and you actually genuinely give a crap about your employee, you know what I mean? Yep. And so that they, they feel that, and there's a connection there. And then the third, I believe is influence where you've actually helped them in their position. And then now you're also leading them with things like mindset. And so, uh, you keep ascending up those five levels of leadership and I'm like a quarter of the way through the book. So I'm not, I don't remember them perfectly yet, but it really, it really resonated with me because of the mindset piece. And that's something mm -hmm. that we've been instituting in our company for, I want to say the past year since I joined Apex and a lot of what I'm learning in Apex is, is mindset. Right. And so whenever I learn it, then I immediately share it with the rest of the company, you know, and then over time yeah. I'll create, I'll create a, a training around it or an SOP based on that, you know, and that's kind of how mm -hmm. we're making sure we're reinvesting into our company and that's creating, yeah. you know, and then being upfront about the core values, it's creating a, uh, an attraction to our company. Yeah, for sure. So if you want a quick hack, um, on, on, on mindset and energy and getting people in the right state. Mm -hmm. So we start, uh, our, our daily mornings, we have, um, vitamin C meetings in our different offices. Okay. Um, so vitamin C it's S E E and, um, and in it, we use ClickUp. So everyone kind of puts in, um, they've got a dashboard. Here are the three things I did yesterday. Here are the three things um, I'm going to do today. Okay. And um, and they have links to um, what they've been working on. So we can actually click it and see it um, cool. to see the progress and such. So what's cool about that is, um, you know, we can share people's work and their contributions, what they're doing. The, and other people are getting to see something that they might not kind of be able to see otherwise and such. But we start that meeting with, um, with the celebration. Mm -hmm. And so the celebration is either, you know, someone that did something or something that came in for the team or, or just it's, it's a, it's a positive, positive thing. And what's cool about that is 
enough, if someone comes in and has had a crappy morning, um, and they come into the vitamin C meeting and we start with the celebration, there's enough other people there that get excited about the celebration that this person is now, Hey, yeah, that's pretty cool. And it changes their state. It changes their energy. And it just reminds them of the purpose that we're a team and we're here and we're working together. And it tends to make them leave whatever was like happening before they stepped into the office, Mm -hmm. um, dissipate. And, um, and so I find that to be just like a great, um, a great game changer, like getting everyone that, you know, kind of mindset, it's getting everyone into the same, like, kind of like, let's go peak state, um, out of the gate. No, I love that. Um, vibration is a real thing, right. And we can all feel it within each other. That's why when you come to the office and somebody probably doesn't even say two words, but you can feel something's off. Right. And that's in their, their vibration. So one of the things that we started doing, it's funny, you mentioned every morning, because I think that's a great practice first thing in the morning to have that celebration. Uh, so we, what we like to do now is, um, uh, gratitude. So every morning Mm -hmm. in our sales flow chat, the staff, the salespeople, operations, uh, leadership, we'll all take the time to post one thing that we're grateful for. And it could be as simple as waking up another day, right? Or um, having all 10 fingers and 10 toes, you know what I mean? Because not everybody has them, right? And a lot of times it's the simple things and then it is big things like, you know, closing that 10 kilowatt system yesterday. It could be anything they want. But when you start your morning out that way, every everything else seems relative, you know, to where it's like, hey, I'm I have another day. You know, I'm saying I have another day with my family. I have another day to go out and make it an impact, you know? And so, you know, when you do get cut off in traffic, it doesn't like start your day off bad because you've already started off good by practicing gratitude. So that's one of the things that we like to do a lot. That's awesome. So, um, what if you're hiring for a, oh, I already asked you this about the commission position. Um, oh, actually kind of a, a nuance to it though. So sales organizations, we often um, bring people from, you know, heavy salaried positions, right? Uh-huh. And so yeah. they make the transition from heavy salary to heavy commission. Mm-hmm. And while we still may have enough in there as a, as a base in order for them to pay their bills and stuff, uh, they're used to like, let's just say 150 a year, right? And then the base with us is 75 a year uh, uh-huh. against commission, right? And uh-huh. typically the commission for the position is 150 a year. And we know this. Right. And we see it every day and Mm -hmm. we execute on it. But I guess, how do we communicate that to them to where they're not skeptical and um, concerned about taking a pay cut? Well, you know, I mean, I think sharing like sharing case studies and sharing Mm -hmm. examples of people in your organization who've made that same transition. I mean, I'm sure you have those. Um, and that would be like, okay, if he could do it, I can do it. Um, it it is, you know, for some people they're not risk takers. So, um, that's, you know, that's, that's a risk taking is one of the aptitudes. So I would say risk taking would be something that you need to measure okay. with these individuals, um, as an aptitude that you need, um, for someone who's in a role that is, you know, going from, um, because a risk taker 
will not, you know, will, will take the risk and will not accept defeat. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so you want someone who's a risk taker and a lot of people, you know, aren't risk takers to be honest. And, and that would be a mishire for you is right. someone who just starts freaking out because they're, they're not getting that, that big, um, that big salary check anymore. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because, uh, Alicia, my, my fiance, um, she's actually been a teacher her whole life. And uh, I took her to an Apex Live one time, and she's been very unhappy with uh, the the workload of teachers. It seems mm-hmm. to be a common theme. Almost yeah. every every person I talk to is like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." So the workload is 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 rough on them. The work itself, they're they're getting less time to teach, and mm-hmm. so um, she actually made the transition from teacher now she's going to open up her own tutoring service for oh, uh, in in homeschooled students okay so super. it's Brilliant. it's been crazy seeing her basically change her mindset you know uh, which yeah. is rare in humans right and so it's kind of cool to see that happen oh that's but, exciting so um one of the things you mentioned on your profile was uh there's a valuable lesson entrepreneurs can learn from buffalo so I was very curious as to what that was. That that was probably yeah. my most uh, the the one I was most intrigued about. Okay, so so you, the funny thing is that um, when and, and this applies, I think, to like you know entrepreneurs definitely is we kind of get into a rut, and so we kind of do what everyone else is doing. And so you know, cows in a field, what do they do when a storm is coming over the hill? They they look kind of behind them and they go, "Oh, the storm is coming." And have you ever seen a cow run fast? No. So the cow just moseys, keeps going. Um, away from the storm. They think that they can go away from the storm, but let's, we know what's going to happen. The storm is going to catch up on them and they're going to be slowly walking in, you know, with the storm catching up with them. And what a Buffalo does is the opposite of a cow. A Buffalo sees the storm coming and they say, all right, let's get this over with. Let's just charge straight at the storm and we'll get through it faster than getting stuck in it like the cow. Um, And so the same is for entrepreneurs. Like you need to take action. Nothing's going to change if you just keep doing the same old, same old. So, you know, if you need to improve your hiring processes because they're lackluster, they haven't been producing 90% of your hires being five-star employees, then you need to take hold of this and you need to spend some time, some dedicated time, um, just getting through it and knocking it out. I mean, that's why we run intensives where we like just really kind of force you to go through the storm like a Buffalo and be done with it. And then you've got these packets, you've got a process, you've got a system, you've got consistency. And now anytime you have an open position, boom, 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 you've got all the assets ready to go and you can make that five-star hire. And that's huge. So I noticed, uh, your rapid real, real guide was trademarked. Is that Buffalo story trademark? Cause if not, I'm, I got to steal it. it. No, it's, it's not <laughs> trademarked. I don't know. So, so I, I, I had heard that from, um, someone, uh, who was on the podcast and I was awesome. just like, this is brilliant. And then I, and then I did some research on it. It's, it's well known in the, in, in yeah. the web universe. Once you started explaining the cows, I was like, yeah, Buffalo do go into the storms. I bet you, she's going to talk about them going towards it. So no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and so be a Buffalo, be a Buffalo. I love it. That's great. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because too many times we do enough to avoid that problem instead of right. just heading into it, fixing it. 
and it, it does. You know, it takes time, especially when you're talking about an intense overhaul of your hiring process, especially like in a sales organization. Like that is intertwined into everything because we're so used to turnover, right? Uh-huh. And so the idea of doing something differently after we've done it a certain way for 10 years so that we can increase the the uh, quality of our, our hires. Yeah, reduce is, that is turnover. Daunting, is daunting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously a year later, you're going to be so thankful you did, so... Oh yeah. Well, it, it shouldn't take you that long to do to to revamp it, but yeah, a good, a good six though, weeks. Yeah, um, one yeah. hour a day for six weeks, you could do it. Awesome. So you've got a few different businesses right now. You've got your mm-hmm. agency. Uh, you've it as far as the five star employee rating system. That is that its own separate entity. That is its own separate entity. So okay. um, our, our primary businesses are, um, we have a construction material supply business and oh, cool. um, and then we have a claims processing business. We process long-term care claims. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I host a podcast. Um, I We have a preschool consulting business. I mean, the eggs are not in one basket. That was wow. a lesson I learned. Um, back in the day. Uh, and then, and then this all in company is, um, is, is kind of, I'd say it's like in a startup mode because, Mm -hmm. um, what we're doing is we're previewing content for the book all in that Mike and I are collaborating on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so people that are going through the programming will be case studies in the book. So no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm spending the bulk of my time in all in right now. And then 10 hours just overseeing the existing businesses. Yeah, that, that makes sense too. And you know, the fact that you've been able to create all those businesses probably on this platform. And, you know, when I, when I talk about building great sales teams, I didn't realize that I had a platform for it until I was like forced to make one when I became Uh a consultant. Then I was like, Hey, Uh I need, I need a system to kind of work off of and audit these other companies against. So did you kind of go through that too? Or I I guess when you talked about the Maverick advertising agency is when you kind of started creating Mm -hmm. the platform, huh? Yes, yes, and then yes. Refining and, it um, over the years. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's been it's twenty plus years in the making. Um, and the Maverick Group was actually um, kind of acquired by one of our clients. So we went in house and then I became um, kind of like the, the de facto expert on um, helping them with uh, with with l- revamping their recruitment and hiring. And mm-hmm. then um, if they would transfer people to my department, I mean, basically that was their kiss of death. Like, you know, they knew they were going to get fired. It's just no one had the balls to fire them in the last 10 years that they had been there. So, um, I'm about like, you know, if they're not producing a return, they got to go If they're not a five-star employee, they got to go. And you don't need to give someone six months. Oh my gosh. Like that is my biggest, (laughs) that's my biggest thing. It's like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens in six months. And I'm like, nothing's going to change in six months. That's like, that's definitely a corporate model for sure. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, uh, one of the, one of the loaded questions I should say, I ask okay. at the end of every, every, uh, podcast, this is more, you know, mindset and legacy, right? And although my show is about building great sales teams, uh, I do like to cover this because I don't know, I like to mix it up a little bit and make sure that the listener doesn't just get tired of hearing the same thing, same things over and over again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to legacy, what does that look like for you? Um, so legacy to me is, um, people who would, uh, well, number one that don't want to leave me, um, 
but I get it. Like I believe in free will. And so, you know, if someone has kind of run their tenure with our company and we can't offer them more then go ahead, please, you know, go on to something else. I'll, I'll be thrilled for you. Um, but, but I know that that legacy would be that if they, if they wanted to come back, they would come back in a heartbeat and, um, and that they would always like say, I was a great boss to work for. Um, okay. and we had a great culture in our organization. So, okay, absolutely. Well, Danielle, I appreciate your time today. It's been a fantastic podcast and a lot of, um, tactical things that the people that listen to the show can actually use. Uh, but if they decide, Hey, you know, I, I can use some of this stuff from the show, but now I need some help. How do they reach out to you? Yeah. Just go to five star employees.com. Awesome. And so we'll, well, yeah, that makes it a lot easier. And I try, I try to do the same thing when I'm a guest too. It's like one website and go there and everything's on there. Right. Um, so we'll include that in the, in the show notes. And I did want to thank you one last time for joining us on building great sales teams today. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Doug. All right, let's get building. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of building great sales teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.